what if just beyond this season of turmoil is your best season yet? Kevin Wallace dives into how God can turn any season into a time of blessing in his new book, After This. It's available now to order. Receive your copy today by visiting www.kevinwallace.tv. Stand firm and believe there is an After This. Hey family, Kevin Wallace here from Redemption to the Nations Church. I've got a message for you today that I believe God gave me to bring strength and hope and joy to your journey. I want you to get your heart open. I want you to get ready to receive this word. I don't believe your life's ever gonna be the same again. God's getting ready to take you to a new level. I'll see you at the end of this message and we'll pray together. God bless, enjoy this word. For a few minutes this morning, I want to do something that I don't think I've ever done in 20, almost 20 years of being the pastor of this church. I'm going to preach a sermon that I preached two years ago, same title. If you go back and look online, you will find a message in April of 2020. I preached a message to an empty room. There are like three people in this room. When I preached this text, I preached it prophetically then. How many remember April of 2020 was a real, real horrible season, not just in our nation, but in our city. We were dealing with the pandemic and then a series of tornadoes came through. How many remember any of this? And I never will forget the phone calls and the families that were absolutely devastated and obliterated and we had teams going out cutting trees down off houses. I went over to my office and I told the Lord, we got to have you. We need you. I need a word from the Lord for my life, for my church, for our city. People were talking about closing churches down and never going back and I refuse to believe that God would leave his people hiding in a cave waiting on the Antichrist to manifest and that somehow we had crossed the finish line with our lip dragging the ground talking about how hard it was. I just believe that Jude says we're going to be presented to the Father with glory. We're going to be, we're, I, I didn't say it was going to be easy, but when this generation crosses the finish line, we're crossing saying, look what the Lord has done. And I remember the Lord touched my life that, that week in prayer, and God gave me this message. And I, I preached it prophetically because I believe God said, tell the people there's an after this. I believed it so much I wrote a book called After This. Back to shameless plug. I'm going to be selling them after church this afternoon. If you don't have one yet, I'll sign you a copy. Hallelujah. But today I didn't come to preach this message prophetically. I came to tell you we're standing in an after this moment. And it's not just a pipe dream I'm hoping for. It's a reality we're stepping into. How many know that when the enemy huffs and puffs and he does all he can do, at the end of the day, there are a remnant people who won't sink, who won't bow, who won't quit, who won't stop, who won't back up. There are a people who come out of fire and instead of burning up, they come out more precious than gold. I want to know where those people are in this building today. 
Anybody thankful you're part of the remnant? Anybody thankful you're part of the church? I will remind you, Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against us. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1, Lord, I feel you. Thank you. Acts chapter 1, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Sorry. And then I want you to put your finger over there on Acts chapter 9. Help me today, Lord. Acts chapter 9, I believe it's verse 31 over there. So let's go through Acts 8, verse 1. For a few minutes, I'm going to preach a message called After This. Now Saul was consenting to his death. And at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. Somebody say scattered. They scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. They made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women and committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered, say scattered, they went everywhere preaching the gospel or the word, the Bible says. Now, I want you to flip over to Acts 9, verse 31. Verse 31, it's on the screen. Everybody read this with me. One, two, three. After this, stop. Somebody give God a praise. Right, just right there. Yep. After this, let's do a let's do a, a, a praise practice. Every time you hear somebody say after this, give God a hallelujah and a shout. After this, the church all over Judea, Galilee, Samaria experienced, look at this, a season of peace. Congregations grew larger and larger. The believers were empowered and encouraged by the Holy Ghost. And they worshiped God in wonder and awe. And they walked in the fear of the Lord. After this. Help me preach, Lord. I give you my mouth to speak through, my heart to speak to. Let the people of God receive the word today. Move us from glory to glory by the Holy Ghost. We ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Be seated in the presence of the Lord. If the truth be known, the first four verses of Acts, the eighth chapter, are some of the most difficult to read and to take in because they describe what I believe is one of the darkest hours in the history of the early church. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, that great persecution, it doesn't just say persecution, but the text says that great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Everyone say Jerusalem. And it's important that you see that this is the church at Jerusalem because at that time, the church at Jerusalem was really the only locale and location that the church existed at the time. God had poured his spirit out upon all flesh 
the apostles gathered there in Jerusalem and there was this swirl of divine Holy Ghost movement going on in Jerusalem and things were happening and miracles were occurring and great wonder was being seen by all. But when the church began to experience this explosion of growth and blessing, it also attracted enemies. The Bible says that one of its leaders, Stephen, was preaching a message. This is all in Acts chapter 7. While he preached a message, what he said cut to the heart of the hearers. This prophetic message given, to God, given by God to Stephen was like an arrow piercing through the hard hearts of the Jewish people listening. And the Bible said they seized him and grabbed stones and they stoned him to death. And he died. The people in the church were terrified. Standing at the foot of his bloody body was a man named Saul of Tarsus, whom the Bible says was a Jew of Jews. He was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. He was born, uh, circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin concerning the law. He persecuted the church. He was a Jew of Jews, and he stood there at the feet of the bloody body of Stephen, who was preaching one of the most powerful sermons recorded in the New Testament, and they killed him with stones. And the Bible said the church was terrified. And all of a sudden, this, this death of Stephen and the, and the panic and the chaos and all that was going on in the church, when the enemy sees that he has the church in a place of panic and chaos, it's like sometimes he turns up the heat. So it wasn't just persecution that unfolded. The Bible said it was great persecution. And it arose against the church at Jerusalem and the persecution had a profound impact on the early church. The first thing I want you to see is that when the persecution arose, this word persecution carries with it the idea of a predator hunting prey may shock you to discover that a victorious overcoming church would experience great persecution. But I want you to understand that we have imagined and developed a church theory and theology that is without enemies, without challenges, without trials, without opposition. And we preach our big God genie in the sky who we rub our Pentecostal bottle and he comes out in a cloud of smoke and makes our dreams come true. And when we come into the first season of persecution in our life, Jesus describes our reaction in the gospel of Mark, the fourth chapter, as he teaches the parable of the sower. They initially heard the word and were glad. But when the sun came up and the heat got turned on, they had no roots and they withered up and died and they lost their testimony because of the persecution. I tell you in this day, we do not need a wussified church. 
We do not need a church that is as, as bending as the wind blows and carried about with every phony doctrine that rises in, in all of these amazing uh, uh, ways. It's, it's, it's stunning to me the ease with which people who say they love Jesus can turn around and walk away from him because times get tough and life gets challenging. I want you to hear me today. Persecution does not mean you don't love God. God. Challenges do not mean you're not serving the Lord. Adversity is not an indication that God is not with you. In fact, you're not being attacked because you're faulty or you're, or you're a failure. You're being attacked because you're the apple of his eye and you are favored by the Lord. And the enemy does not know what to do with a church who understands their identity. He doesn't know how to stop us, so he sins persecution. It was great persecution. The first thing I need to tell you about persecution, and there are a couple things I want to just mention to you about persecution while I'm on my way. This is going to freak some of you out, but catch it because it's the word of the Lord. Number one, persecution, how many have ever been persecuted? I'm not talking about somebody talked about you on Facebook. Because we got some weak people in the kingdom of God who think they talked about me and that's, how many know that's not persecution, that's just life. I'm talking about you had some stuff come against you and it seemed like all at one time and it was one bad report after another and you felt the heat of hell breathing down your neck and the whisper of the enemy in your ear telling you God's left you and you have no hope. How many have ever been through some persecution before? I want to tell you right now that persecution is tough, but there are some things about persecution you need to catch today. And I I know that there are differences between what the church in Acts 8 went through and what we've been going through in the last couple of years. But there are enough similarities between this text and between what some of you have been feeling for me to preach this with a a, a, a homiletical, hermeneutical uh, um, accuracy and apply it because I believe what they felt in Acts 8, some of you have been feeling. Some of my friend past, my pastors that are friends in Canada have been feeling some of this. Some of my friends in the church around the world have been feeling some of what I'm preaching. And I'm thankful that in our nation thus far we have enough leaders with a spine to stand up against this spirit of antichrist trying to sabotage the assignment of the church. I want to tell you right now, you better put your armor on and you better pull your sword out and you better leave this Mickey Mouse Christianity on the side. This is a time when the violent, when the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent got to take it by force. I want to teach you some things about persecution today. Number one, persecution has perks. You heard me. Persecution has perks. How many know what a perk is? Some of y'all have never been a part of the Marriott family or the Delta Sky Miles Club. Maybe you're a perk at your local family restaurant, the Amig, uh, the, what is it, uh, where do we go, Amigos. When I go into Amigos, I got a perk card on my phone, and it lets me, they know I walked in and I get free queso. Somebody slap your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. It's a perk because I go there four times a week. I get a perk when I fly on Delta because I fly on Delta and if they have any first 
class available. Chris will tell you, we've been sitting there so many times and said, Kevin and Chris, come to the podium. You got to upgrade. Somebody praise God for a perk. Well, I want to tell you, persecution has some perks. It's tough, it's bad, it's hard to walk through, but I want Chad to put Matthew chapter 5, verse number 11 up on the screen because when you get persecuted, it activates a spiritual divine perk in your life. And the Lord said it like this, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute, persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Next verse, verse 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The first thing you gotta do is pull yourself out of the rut. Quit telling yourself you're the only one that's going through hell. Men and women of God before you went through stuff that you can't imagine and they kept the faith and God let them enter into an eternal reward that would blow your absolute mind. I want you to tell you that when the enemy turns up the persecution, it activates something called favor on your life. And there will come a season in your life, thank you, Jesus, where the enemy will regret he ever persecuted you and chased you down because when God gets through with your life, talk to me, Job. When God gets through with your life, you won't remember the chapter of loss. You will sit down as a great, 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 great grandfather and bounce your grandbabies on your knee and tell your posterity about the faithful of a God who's been good. Persecution has perks. The second thing I want you to see is persecution has parameters. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, somebody say parameters. What does that mean? It means that the devil has limits. There's only so far he can go. I want to correct a theological incorrect thing being floated around in the church as if God and the devil are on the battlefield duking it out and we're going to see who wins. I'm going to walk around here. God and the devil duked it out already. And it happened on a hill called Calvary. And on Friday, it looked like the devil won. And on Saturday, it looked like the devil won. But you got to hang around till Sunday morning. Because on Sunday morning, hell got freaked out when a light that was blinding in its glory burst through the headquarters of hell. And he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he walked out on Sunday morning, Jesus did, and said, I'm still Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I want you to know this is not going to be settled. It has already been settled. Jesus made an open spectacle and triumphed over the enemy. Does anybody believe he's still a victorious warrior? He's still a conquering king. He still overcame and because 
because he lives. I can face tomorrow. There's still power in God. I say all that to say, Jesus won. He won the battle. You are not serving a king who's going to have to win again. He's simply going to enforce what he said he was going to do and who he has declared himself to be. And in your life, the enemy will persecute, but he has parameters. What are parameters? It looks like this. We have this treasure in earth, earth and vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God. Boy, this will preach to some arrogant people in today's church. It's not your power that's going to sustain you. It's not your power that's going to free you. It's not my power that I have confidence in, but the excellency may be of his power, not of our power. There's a work going on inside of us. It's the treasure, and he is the treasure in this earthen vessel. Everybody touch your vessel. This is the earthen vessel. The treasure is not the earthen vessel, but we have a treasure in the earthen vessel that the excellency, the praise, the glory may not be of us but may be of God so that when we make it to heaven we don't stand there and say look what we did to get here we run to the throne because we know the one sitting on the throne is the one that had the power to bring us out of our darkness to bring us out of our depression and when we get to heaven we won't have a testimony of our own power that got us there but we'll praise the one who got us there by his own power he's working in us and he says let me show you the parameters of this persecution you're going through next verse yes we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed we are perplexed but not in despair. Next verse. Persecuted. Per Y'all missing it. Persecuted, but not for Has it ever felt like you were getting close to the line? But you never crossed that line. You were knocked down, but you were not knocked out. You were perplexed, meaning I don't know what I'm doing, but you were not in despair, meaning that you quit because you couldn't find hope. You were persecuted. Every time you turned around, something was trying to harass you, but you were not forsaken, meaning even though I got an enemy chasing me, I got a God on the inside of me, and he's not on the way. He's not Jehovah coming. He's Jehovah Shammah, the God who is already present. I want to tell you no matter how bad it gets the enemy can huff and puff. Hell can breathe down your neck, harass you with lying spirits and tell you you're not going to make it. But I came to tell you that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to finish what he started. And whatever happens, know this, Satan the devil is God's devil. And he has limits. 
And the last thing I want you to see about persecution, and then I'm going to move on because some of you are like, I'm gathering my things and I'm never coming back. He talks about persecution. Persecution is a part of life for the child of God. I just want you to see that the enemy will one day regret he ever persecuted you. All these people talking about how the church will never be what it was. I can go with that. It's going to be better. <laughs> and, and I want to say this to you. I, I just want you to know that persecution not only has perks and parameters, persecution has a purpose. The Bible says that Saul attended the, steving, the stoning of Stephen and he greatly persecuted the church. Read the text. In verse 2 and 3 of Acts 8, it says, and the church scattered. How many remember seeing that? The church scattered. Now, there are two primary words used for the word scattered in, in the Greek. In the New Testament, there are two words used for scattered. And one of the words used for scattered is like when you scatter pickup sticks. And you don't care where they land, you just throw them out and you scatter them. It's, it's like dice. You, you, you're not really doing anything intentional with them, you're just throwing them and, and don't care where they land. This is scattering dice. Some of y'all know more about this than you should. Um, somebody's like, if he'll do this, it'll work better. I, I, don't, I don't care to know that. It doesn't matter to me. Just scattering. That is not the Greek word used here in Acts 8. In Acts 8, it is not like the scattering of pickup sticks or the scattering of dice or like when you throw ashes out from a fire and you don't care where they let you just throw them. No, no, no. That's not the word used here. In Acts chapter 8, put that verse back up on the screen, Chad. Acts chapter, please, sir. Acts chapter 8, verse number 2, it says, uh, oh, no, verse number 1, pardon me. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea. Catch this picture because this is where I'm going today. They're in Jerusalem, and a powerful move of God has happened in the church at Jerusalem in Acts 2. But now we're in Acts 6, and we're at Acts 8, and we're several years down the road. And what are they doing? They're still camped out in Jerusalem. They like Jerusalem church. They like Jerusalem leadership. They like Jerusalem preaching. They like Jerusalem attire. They like Jerusalem culture. And so they've had this powerful move of God in Jerusalem and nobody in the church wants to leave Jerusalem and go touch the world. So what happens? Persecution. And when it says that persecution scattered the church, the word scattered in the Greek is the Greek word diaspora. Everyone say diaspora. Diaspora is, the, is a different word from throwing dice or pick up sticks or ashes. Diaspora is the word used to describe the work of an artful, skillful sower. Y'all missing it? He 
wasn't just haphazardly throwing the church in chaos. He was working behind the scenes in a season of persecution to prepare the earth for a tremendous harvest. Uh huh. He wasn't throwing dice. God was sowing seeds. Seeds that had gathered in Jerusalem, but he would not plant them in Jerusalem because Jerusalem had already experienced a measure of harvest. He was more interested in seeing the nations of the earth experience the gospel of Jesus Christ. So persecution came. God picks up the seed of his church and the gospel inside them. And persecution comes and he starts sowing seeds all over the, this is what happened during COVID. Too many church leaders saw it like this. Y'all are gonna miss this today and I don't need this house to miss this because this message is critical to where we're going. This is not where we're going to be after Two years of walking through the kind of mess that we've been. We're not chaotically scattered and don't know where we're going. I'm telling you, over the last two years, I've been sharpening a sword. This house and many other remnant houses have been getting their eyes on a field that maybe we didn't have our eyes on two years ago. And God was helping us to see that it's not just about what's happening in this building. What's happening in this building? has got to get out of the house. <laughs> Do you know before, before COVID, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes after COVID, but definitely before COVID, before COVID, I couldn't stand social media. Makes me sick. I don't, I don't like it. Why don't you like it? What's wrong with it? Well, number one, too many people lose their sanctification on it. Get on and have arguments with people who are, oh, help me over here. Lord, we, we, have, we have social media created legends. We've created a clergy ecosystem on social media. I wrote this two weeks ago and so many people sent a message. I cannot believe you would say, who are you talking about? I'm talking about who I'm talking about. People who ordained themselves and christened themselves as bishop and they don't even have a church and they got a few followers and every now and then get a blue check mark and I don't know what they believe and you don't either but they look cool and they got on some Jordans and so we think, ooh, this has got it going on. I'm telling you, we're living in a day where people are not faithful to their wife, they're not faithful to Jesus, they're not faithful to the gospel and they have a following because of their look. And I didn't want anything to do with that. I want to stay on my face and pray that God keeps me sanctified, love my wife and my kids, and be a faithful shepherd to the church. But in COVID, I had to learn something. If the devil is going to take that place in culture, God refuses to let witches and warlocks and demon-possessed false prophets have a following and not raise up a group of men and women who love the Lord with all their heart, 
all their mind, all their soul, all their strength. So every Tuesday and Thursday, we throw out some more seed and we tell the truth of the gospel and we spread it to the nations of the earth. Not because I want to be seen, but because I want him to be seen and I want his gospel to be heard. So, so, during COVID, we exploded in social media influence. I give God glory. After this coming week, we'll have, this is crazy, 25,000 followers on YouTube. That's crazy. Considering two years ago, we didn't have 4,000. We just, and what are you saying this for? I'm trying to let you see how God takes persecution and redirects it for his glory. Because I want you to understand when the enemy is up to trying to put you out of business, God is in the business of expanding your territory. You just have to get beyond the pain of your persecution and you gotta start drawing conclusions like this. If the devil is after me this bad, there must be something about what God is up to in my life that make me get up out of bed every morning and tell the devil, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you got, I'm gonna show seed and everywhere you scatter me I'm going to open my mouth and tell of the goodness of God scattered somebody say scattered I'm, I'm, I'm going on but I'm, I'm, I'm having a good time getting to where I'm going here the Bible said in Acts chapter 8 that they got scattered and one of the people who got scattered and left the church at Jerusalem was a man named Philip everybody say Philip Philip, his name means horses, lover of horses. How many know Philip was an evangelist? If you don't know that, Philip was an evangelist. And there's something in this to me, in this very thing here that we're talking about persecution, that, that one of the first, I thank you, Holy Spirit, one of the first things that happens when you come out of a season of persecution is that the horses of evangelism, how many know we don't call it sheep power, we call it Horsepower, come on somebody, catch this with me. God is strengthening a church through persecution. And when you come out of persecution, you release the evangelism, that fervor, that fire, that let's go turn cities upside down stuff. I don't know about you, I have no, you better hear your pastor. If you don't hear anything else I say, you need to hear this. I have no inclination, I have no plan. We have drawn up no blueprint, blueprint of reduction or regression or how we're going to shrink this thing or how we're going to scale it back now that we're coming out of a pandemic into a new season I'll have you know we had to pull that curtain over there wide open this morning because we could not fit the people where we normally fit them what is your point I came to tell you the kingdom of God is not on the run it's not running away we're not going out of business you can't shut us down because you didn't open us up. On this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevent. So persecution arises and they get launched all over the world, the known world. 
I'm sorry, I'll vacuum this up. Somebody bring me a vacuum. And they, everywhere they go, they start scattering the gospel. And places that had never heard of Jesus start hearing his name. And all of a sudden, oh, hell gets nervous and regrets its choice of strategy. Because as long as we got you in Jerusalem, we can keep all the fire in Jerusalem. But we tried to kill you. We tried to run you out of business. We tried to persecute you into turning your back on Jesus. And instead of turning your back, you got scattered. And everywhere you ran, now you are tearing up the devil's playground. And you are preaching the gabosha. And you are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, now watch this. There are cities under the spell of the devil. Y'all can't handle when we talk like this. In fact, we got so cute now, we don't even talk about the devil in church because we don't want the crowd to get nervous about demon spirits. If you're in this building, you know there's some stuff going on in America right now that is not the result of normal human beings. It is a result of demon spirits that have possessed people. And we got people who are living under that spell. Don't make me go there, church. But this is why we can't call you a man or a woman. We got to call you something else because there's a devil loose and there's a spirit of deception at work. This is not merely the machinations of a man. This is the result of a diabolical scheme and the devil is doing everything he can to work in an unseen realm. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that Samaria, everybody say Samaria. Samaria was living under that kind of witchcraft. There was a man named there named Simon, Simon the sorcerer. The Bible says for many years, for many days, he was the spiritual warlord over that city. He had the whole city vexed, and they were bound up in spiritual idolatry, and they were bound up in witchcraft and demonology, and Simon had a whole city cast under his spell. They were mesmerized by Simon. They were captivated by his magic. Everywhere he he went he had a following oh but when the church went through persecution and they got scattered all of a sudden one of those seeds in Jerusalem got located in that city called Samaria and all of a sudden a group of people I feel like preaching in this room all of a sudden a group of people in a city living under a spell cast by a witch the Bible said that Philip came there with the gospel and when he got to the to the city with the gospel they heard him preach Jesus and when they heard him preach Jesus your Bible said that they believed the message that he preached and they saw signs and wonders and miracles happen in the city of Samaria but I want you to see this it started out in sorcery it started out in bondage but when the preacher got thrown to Samaria and he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ the city doesn't end up in a curse the city ends in revival and the Bible said great joy I came to prophesy what's next in this nation after we've come through this season people are getting ready to hear the gospel people are going to repent of their sin and great joy is coming back to cities who will put Jesus on the throne
The Bible said that he preached the gospel and a revival broke out in Samaria. This is crazy. Why would God let persecution come? Go to Haggai. Go to Haggai. Haggai 2, verse 7. I'm about to get out your way. I see some of y'all salivating over the chicken. It's going to come soon enough. Look here. Haggai 2, verse 7. God said, I will shake all the nations, and they shall come to the desire. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, the nations, let me teach this, the nations have a desire. You see that capital D? See that capital D? You know why it's capitalized? Because it's a proper noun. They are not talking about a, uh, just any kind of desire. They're talking about a man they could have called him Jesus here, but instead they called him the desire of nations. Nations are actually hungry and desiring the one whose feet are like brass. The one whose eyes are like fire. The one whose voice sounds like the Shabbat, the voice of me. You know, the, the media will have you believe that the nations want all this foolishness. And I would tell you that there are people who are blind and on their way to hell and they prefer darkness rather than the light. But there are a multitude of people living on this earth, living in nations who are looking for governmental leaders to bring peace. And they are looking for political figures to bring peace. And they are looking for people to rise up with the answers to their problems and healing for their division. Nations are reeling in the in the aftermath of a spirit of antichrist because that spirit takes away life and that spirit takes away joy and that spirit of the antichrist works to remove the light and bring darkness and the nations are crying out for the desire of the nations. They're wanting a better way of life. They're looking for, they have a desire. How many ever been to a foreign country? Lift your hand. How many ever been to a third world foreign country? Lift your hand. I've been there. They treat us like royalty, not because of us, but because of who we brought with us. Y'all missing what I'm saying. The nations are designed. I'm preaching this so that you understand. I'm getting ready to tie this together and I'm going to be done. The nations desire him. Some of them don't know they're desiring Jesus, but they're looking for a way of life that only he can bring. He's the desire of nations. So why would God send persecution? Because they're camped out in one nation, Jerusalem, Israel. And God says the desire of the nations has got to get to the nations. If you won't leave Jerusalem and go, I'll let persecution come to scatter you there. 
So they go to Samaria, and Philip is in revival. And I'm closing with this. All of a sudden, in the middle of this revival, God tells him to go to Gaza, a wilderness road. Look here, Acts chapter 8, a wilderness road. God says, arise, and I'm in verse 26, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Can you imagine this preacher? You have to understand something. When you find revival, you want to stay. I, listen, Devin and I, before I was your pastor, Devin and I, we evangelized for about two and a half years. I felt like my ministry was called Valley of Dry Bone Ministries. This is a true story. Because 98% of the places I went and preached, I'm like, I'm going home. So and seed, ain't nobody wanting to receive nothing. People greet you with a jar of green beans. We don't have long service. I never will forget, a nine-week revival broke out. When I got out of the car on Saturday, the preacher greeted me. He said, it's summertime. All my people are farmers. They're not going to be coming to church. My people are conditioned for 20-minute sermons and one-hour church services. Don't expect a big offering. I thought, why didn't you call me? Sunday night, though, that bomb hit. And for nine weeks, one, one stretch went 30 straight, 29 straight nights before we took a break. And people were getting saved. People were getting healed. The whole church exploded. It was the craziest thing I ever seen. Out in the middle of tobacco fields in North Carolina. I was a 19-year-old kid. And God visited. I wanted revival. And whenever I got in revival, I wanted to stay there. Because so many places didn't want revival. And I was preaching all these valley dry bones. I'm like, God, help us, please. And here's Philip in this revival in Acts 8. And the whole city is in joy. The Bible said joy is breaking out all over the city. They were under a spell. Now they're under the power of God. And God picks him up and says, go down to a road between Jerusalem and Gaza. Ready for this? For one dude. You're going to take me out of a city that is on fire and put me on a road between Jerusalem and Gaza to minister to one person? Scattering. I'm scattering. Why are you scattering me, Lord? Because the nations need the desire. The nations have a desire. Y'all missing what I'm saying. I, 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 I don't know if you're catching this this morning. God would not let the church get We got settled before COVID. And we started building our own kingdoms. And we started building our own empires. And we started building our own brands. And God melted that mess down one in one pandemic. He refuses to allow his kingdom to become yours or your brand or about you. He said, I'm going to find somebody that will not get settled down in Jerusalem that's not just trying to make sure the bills are paid. You know what? In a year when hell broke loose and people went out of business, I give God all the praise that we broke a giving record and we planted more churches and we fed more hungry mouths and we gave more clothing away. 
And so he goes down. I'm closing. He goes down on this road between Gaza. Why Gaza? Read the Bible. Old Testament, book of Numbers. Gaza was supposed to be inhabited by Judah, but Judah didn't run the inhabitants of Gaza out, so the Philistines took Gaza. And in the Old Testament, Gaza represents a stronghold of the Philistine population. It's where the enemy had a stronghold. God said, this thing is about to explode. And before it explodes, I'm going to go back and get a piece of ground that I told you belonged to me, and I want you to redeem Gaza. Jesus, I hope you're catching this. And so he sends one evangelist and scatters one evangelist on a road between Jerusalem and Gaza. And what kind of man is it that he pulls up beside? An Ethiopian. Look at how God is about to blend the races. I feel like preaching right here a little bit. God is about to take a Jewish preacher and put him on a back road from Jerusalem to Gaza and hook him up with an Ethiopian riding in a chariot who just left the temple and is on his way back to see Candace, queen of Ethiopia. How many know God knows how to connect this thing? And what I want to tell you is that before we come out of this completely, God is about to take some hillbilly preachers in the south and a, and a bunch of brothers from the African-American community and people who the politics said couldn't come together and people who the devil said couldn't come together. I came to bind the devil, rebuke the enemy, and tell you God is about to heal the races. God is about to heal the races. There's about to be a meeting on a road between Gaza and Jerusalem. And they may be riding in a chariot and you may be walking in your sandals. But God is about to connect the two because he is still the desire of all nations. Oh. So, so watch this. Stand with me, I'm through preaching. So he, he rides up and the, and the Ethiopian eunuch, which will preach because... He has been, uh, the, the, the opportunity for intimacy has been taken away from him. He's a eunuch, but he's about to become intimate with God. See, what God is about to do is about, this is about spiritual intimacy with him. And even though some people feel so broken and messed up and they feel like they haven't had proper relationships, I come to tell you they're about to have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible said this man comes down, gets Get, uh, uh, Philip meets him on this road and he hears him. He hears him reading Isaiah 53. Now here's what's crazy. He's reading and he's still trying to find out who this is that he's reading about. Somebody say the desire of nations. See this Ethiopian brother heard about somebody but he hadn't met him yet. So he's reading about him. And he's reading in Isaiah the prophet, the Bible says. And most people believe he was reading Isaiah 53 when it said he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes were healed. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. That's what he was reading as a lamb before its shear was silent. He opened not his mouth. In humiliation, justice was taken away. Who will declare his generation for his life was taken from the earth? That's what he was reading. And the eunuch, and Philip said to the eunuch, do you know who you're reading about? And the Bible said that Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the script, this scripture, he preached Christ unto the Ethiopian. One preacher 
one convert and a whole nation heard the gospel because history tells us this one Ethiopian man went back to Ethiopia and told his people about a man he met on a wilderness road who told him about Jesus Christ and Ethiopia heard the gospel because one preacher left a whole city on fire to go preach to one. Hey, careful how you measure success going forward. We like to measure how many apples are in the barrel. God says, you can measure the apples in the barrel all you want. There's a lot of apples in this barrel today, but you can't measure the seeds in these apples. Keep on cutting the apple and getting a seed out and planting that seed and guess what else grows? Another apple. I want you to hear me. After this, after the persecution, the pain, the warfare, the chaos, the struggle, the church came into a season of peace. This is not pie in the sky. God is about to bless. No, this is God saying, you stayed faithful. Now I'm about to shift your season. And they stepped into a season, an extended season of peace, all wonder, multiplication, and the fear of the Lord. I want you to hear me. I do not believe we are in a moment of maintenance or regression. This house is about to put the foot to the pedal and advance the kingdom of God in ways we've never advanced it before. You say why? Because the nations have a desire. They're hungry for Jesus. And I think sometimes all we're worried about is Jerusalem. What's happening in Chattanooga? What's happening in... What's happening in that city? What's happening? And God said, where are the people who understand that my purpose is not just for them to experience my power, but to be endued with my power so they can spread these seeds of the gospel in every area of culture? If that's your heart, lift your hand right now. God, I want us, I want us to hear your voice speaking today. I pray we have, oh Lord. You, Jesus, are the desire of nations. You are the desire of nations. I, I have a very unique thing. I'm going to let y'all go in just a minute because I want you to come back to church tonight. I want you to go get some lunch, get a, get a little bit of a rest, and I want you to get your kids together and come back. We're going to have a good time tonight. Before I let you leave, I need to pray for two groups of people. The first, first group, and this is so different in this atmosphere. And it didn't just happen, but it's being confirmed in this moment. Somebody feels the call to nations. And you have quietly said to the Lord, send me, here I am. And this doesn't mean that you pack up and you move everything tomorrow. Everything done in the kingdom is line up on line, precept upon precept. But I sense with all my heart that there's somebody been wrestling with the call for nations. 
either in missionary work or preaching the gospel or even humanitarian aid. I don't know what it is that God's been calling someone to. Somebody just needs to come to this altar and throw your hands up and say to the Lord, I'm not going to be, I'm telling you, things are getting ready to open up in this world. Flights are getting ready to open back up. Things are getting ready to happen. And it's not about, it's not about any other thing except God making sure the gospel gets to nations. Come here, Sebastian. I want to pray for you all. Jesus. Stretch your hands toward this man of God. I don't know the whole story, but I know God's up to something. This house is with you. We bless the work of God in your life. Caitlin here. I don't want to put her on the spot. I want to pray for the family. Stretch your heads toward them right now, Lord. As they go, send them in the power of the Holy Ghost. Harvest time. Harvest time. The Lord says as you reap his harvest for him, he's going to take care of your harvest for you. I pray for this family now, God. I bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Order his steps. Let things line up. While I'm praying for him, if I'm talking to you and God's been dealing with you about nations, just come stand in the altar. Father, right now, I pray as he feels like it is a scattering, may he see the handiwork of God in this. Nations are opening. Nations are opening. Nations are. A nation is going to lead to more nations. I thank you for it. Obedience. Thank you for his obedience. Thank you. Sweetheart. Take his hand. I want to pray for you, Lord. I lay hands on the Smigdal family this morning. You are, you are going before them. You have already gone there. And I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, right now, I feel like God is putting a scepter of authority in your hand for this assignment. You will not walk in your own authority, Jesus. But I thank you, Father, for giving them the authority of Christ in this season of open doors. And I thank you that great doors are coming open. And I see the Lord giving you favor with a group of leaders that very few have found favor with. But the Lord's going to give you favor because he's with you for this assignment. And I see doors opening, and I see a gate opening in a city. I don't know what the gate is, but it's a large gate. Jesus, I thank you. And I thank you that the Lord is opening the gate, just like he did for Peter. The Bible said the gate opened of its own accord. Lord, open the gate over a city. Open the gate over that city, the one you want them to live in, the one you want them to, to minister in. I thank you for the gate opening. Come on, church, pray for just a moment. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Listen, if you got to go get your babies, I understand it's 12. Do what you got to do. If you got to go, I want you to go. There's no shame in that. I'm going to pray for every person that came to the altar. Tonight at 6 o'clock, get back here. But if you're going to stay, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hands and worship. And just for a few moments right now, I want us just to begin to believe God to anoint these families and these people for nations. There, there's a scattering going on in this season. It's not a chaotic scattering of wonder and, 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 and how to and, and where is God. It's, it's the purpose of God being accomplished in lives. 
I just want you to lift your hands all over this place right now. Let's just begin to press into God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in hearts, Lord. You've been dealing with them. You've been the desire of nations, the desire of the nations. He is the desire of the Carry him, carry him, take him with you everywhere you go. Hallelujah. I need intercessors just begin to intercede right now. Pray in the spirit all over this room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for nations. We say yes today, God. We don't have to know all the details to say yes. We trust you. Nations, nations, nations. Just one at a time, baby girl. Just one at a time. Just one seed at a time. Hold. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Open the door. Thank you for opening the door. You've had a taste of it, and you'll never be able to live without it. And that's why there's been some, there's been some, uh, it's like a heaviness on you. But God said it's about to open back up. It's about to open back up. The Lord says keep your bags packed. Ho! Oh, Jesus, I thank you. Thank you for nations, God. We just say yes to you today. God, I thank you for his heart. I lay hands on him today, God, asking you to give him clarity and direction in Jesus' name. Nations, Lord. Come on, somebody just begin to call out a nation God puts in your heart. God, this house needs to, we need to say yes, Lord. We want to say yes to you, God. You're the desire of nations. Holy Spirit, crown his life with your anointing. Nations, Lord. Nations, Lord. Nations, Holy Spirit. Come on, take somebody's hand back there. God, open up the door. God, open up the door. I declare a season of frustration is coming off your life. A season of frustration is coming off your life. And there's coming a purpose, a revealing of the purpose of God. Jesus, and you're about to catch a mantle of prayer like you've never had before. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Ho! Ho! Spirit of God. Spirit of God, I thank you. Listen, I believe that God is speaking to hearts right now. If you've watched this message today and something said, brought strength to you and built you up in your spirit, gave you hope for tomorrow, I thank God that in this day and hour that we're living, that there is a word from the Lord. And the Bible tells us we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need the word of the Lord. And today this word I pray has produced faith in your heart. You want someone to agree with you in prayer right now. I wanna take this moment to pray with everyone watching because I believe God's gonna meet needs today. If you're lost and you feel like you're full of hopelessness and sin, just call on the name of the Lord. If you're sick in your body and you need him to touch you, you just call on the name of the Lord. If your family's falling apart and you need God to rescue your family, I want you to know there's a miracle for your family. For those of you who are watching today, let's pray together. Father, move by your spirit right now. Someone's reaching out to you in faith, God. They need a miracle today. They need you to turn their situation around. I thank you that there's no impossibility. There's no problem too hard for you to solve. There's no mountain too big for you to move, Lord. Do it for them today. We agree together in prayer in Jesus' name that lives are being changed right now by the power of God. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Be blessed. Check us out on kevinwallace.tv, and I'll see you next week. God bless.